0: Welcome back to the Perpetual Wealth Podcast, a show for clients of Paradigm Life. This season, we're empowering you to take control of your financial future using the core principles of the Perpetual Wealth Strategy. Now, before we dive in, a quick but essential disclaimer. While this podcast is primarily for our valued clients at Paradigm Life, it's open to anyone interested in enhancing their financial knowledge. However, please remember that our information should not be taken as a direct tax, legal or financial advice. We strongly recommend consulting with a wealth strategist at Paradigm Life or your financial team before making any decisions based on our discussions. Today, we continue our journey into cash flow, protection, and wealth building, the foundational principles of the perpetual wealth strategy. Let's dive in and explore how to optimize your wealth and achieve financial independence. Your journey continues now. Hey everyone, welcome back. We are going to be talking about the, the top 10 uh, questions, inquiries uh, that we get from uh, you all uh, consistently. And uh, I have my uh, good friend, colleague Nick Welch, w- with me. Uh, Nick is uh, has been with the organization for about ten years, and uh, he works with a lot of our uh, existing clients. And uh, you know, since two thousand seven, we've we've worked with uh, about eighty five hundred people uh, and counting. And you know, it's really allowed us to uh, see lots of different scenarios, situations. Uh, but also we get the the same questions, right? So we're we're addressing uh, those for you uh, on this episode. So thanks uh, thanks for being here, Nick. Thank you for being here too.
1: Absolutely, thanks for having me.
0: So let's start with the first one. You know, I think one one thing that you know I remember early on is uh, when clients commit to you know, a permanent life insurance policy, right? It's, it's forever, right? This isn't, so I'm like, oh, hey, let's like try this out for a couple of <laughs> years or, you know, so, so having this contract, that's a forever contract, yeah. right? Seems, it's interesting, right? Because most people, even though they know that, okay, their mortality is going to be down the road. Okay, it's like paying to that. It's, it's a, it's a different scenario that they, that they face, right? And so they're, the, obviously people naturally want to know, okay, if this is for the rest of my life, I I, how do I back out of this? Like, how do I like, what do I use this for? What if it doesn't work out? Yeah. All right. So those are very legitimate, important questions and concerns that people have. So how do you, how do you typically uh, approach the, you know, the question or the concern of like, how long do I have this for? How long do I have to pay this for? Because yeah. it's usually a question up front, but ultimately it becomes a question uh, over, you know, after a period of time, five years, six years, seven years, 10 years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that we haven't done ourselves as an industry any favors with the product itself, because we look at these ledgers, and you can tell that actuaries and bean counters have been running this product for as long as they have, because it can make your head spin when it comes to, you know, what are perceived as as outlays that have to be made in perpetuity until you're 100 or 121 years old. And 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 so the client's question is completely valid. Um, uh, And so you based on how we design the product, there is going to come a time where premium outlays may not be required out of pocket, out of pocket outlays. may not be required. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, a lot of people want to know when that is possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we're able to, to, you know, show that illustrate for them, the, the possibility of ceasing contributions, because we may, a lot of us, myself included, got involved with the product started this because of the liquidity the growth that this is able to to provide us the ability to access and utilize funds create that banking system and idea but life changes and if we're stepping into a different phase of life and we're transitioning from this accumulation of assets to then living off of those assets then maybe we might be looking at ways to reduce expenses. And of course, if, if uh, uh, it comes up, life insurance could fall into that category. And so knowing when that time um, is of when you're able to cease out of pocket contributions could be an important part of the conversation that you have with your advisor.
0: So, so set usually the the typical approach we use when we set up, you know, whole life is uh, you, you put, Uh, a lot into the PUA rider, right? Which creates uh, immediate cash value. Uh, You do that for, you know, a period of time and the cash value grows, interest grows, dividends grow. And ultimately it gets to the point, right? Where premiums don't have to come out of pocket. Now I want to be clear, premiums are, you know, regardless of the B counters, premiums are required forever, right? On on most policies. Sometimes policies, premiums are required to 90 years old or a hundred years old. Um, uh, but typically the policies today they're required until 121 years old, which means they're required forever, you know, mm-hmm. pretty much forever. Okay. However, the th- that's the contract, but the flexibility that clients have, that policy owners have uh to pay those premiums, okay, is what we're referring to. Yeah. Right. So I would say the first, you know, flexibility is you know, the PUA rider. PUA riders uh, are are typically flexible riders where There's a minimum required and there's a a maximum, right? The minimum is typically about 100 bucks, 120 bucks uh, a year, okay, to keep the rider open. Uh, And you can pay in max, you can pay in min, and anything you know, typically anything in between, okay. So that's part of the flexibility. So in order to, I would say, reduce premiums. You can simply pay the minimum into the PUA rider. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the base premium, that like required premium until you're you know 121 years old, okay, that can come from uh, a few you know a, a few different sources. The first source is obviously out of your pocket. Uh, the second source is uh, is a loan, mm-hmm. right? You can actually take a policy loan uh, and pay the premium with that loan. Now, this is what I you know during 2008, 2009, because I got you know as I got into the you know, started Paradigm in 2007. I was really excited, and you know, got policies on me and my wife, and the kids. And then you know, 2008, 2009 hit, and I tell the story uh, in the book. Uh, but I wasn't able to to pay for a couple of years, and so I used loans uh, to make premium payments, and I used you know loans to cover expenses. It was you know, it was uh, it was it was awesome to experience that so early on. So there's tons of flexibility, just depending on the situation that you're in. Um, because if it's a cash flow situation, typically cash flow situations are temporary, mm-hmm. okay? It's, a, it's six months or three months or, or a year. And so not paying premiums, right, for six months, seven months, a year, you could typically do that in the first couple of years of, of a policy. Now, indefinitely, that requires being in the policy and funding it at kind of a maximum level uh, for probably seven, you know, seven years, 10
1: years. Just depending on on the situation yeah but the reality is, is that it's possible and, and whether it's temporary or whether it's permanent the fact that you had have been able to experience that personally a lot of people haven't or don't want to of course but you know again life doesn't always uh, operate in a vacuum it doesn't go exactly as planned and so knowing that we've got the ability to reduce cease contributions and possibly even uh, uh make up for missed contributions later on down the road um uh, that flexibility is is extremely important for you know uh, complementing whatever life is bringing yes
0: mm-hmm. so now so that's from you know if there is disruption to cash flow, if there is temporary you know r- reason to cease contributions or put off contributions, premium payments, okay that that's kind of what we've just answered. but let's get into another uh, variation of that question mm-hmm. where I look at, you know, again, the conditioning that we're all subject to, right, in the United States from a financial perspective, a premium, like nine, you know, maybe 99 times out of 100, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was gonna say nine times out of 10, uh, 99 times out of 100 is is usually a cost, right? I pay a lot of, you know, business insurance premiums, like cybersecurity premiums, officers and directives premiums, I pay liability premiums. Like I have a lot, there's a lot of money I pay into pure, risk mitigation, mm-hmm. right? That type of risk. Plus I, I have, you know, really big term policies as well, which are which are essentially paying for pure risk. But looking at a premium that goes into either your base premium or your PUA premium, that is not a pure risk. Well, let's expand on that quickly because usually clients come to us and they associate their
1: premiums with an expense. The cost, exactly, because that's how we've been conditioned to look at insurance mm-hmm. is through the lens of It being a cost, um, and and it being an important cost so that it can indemnify a particular uh, potential risk that is exists in our lives. Life insurance, whole life insurance, overfunded whole life insurance does that, but it also has uh, some other benefits as well.
0: Yep. So those are the wealth benefits, right? Because obviously it's accumulating uh, cash value. It's also paying. It's not paying for a possible risk right such as you know let's, let's say it's cyber security insurance for a business okay that you're paying a premium in the event that there's some sort of cyber compromise okay if that never happens it's a pure risk right or it's it's a a, a cost if it happens right it's awesome because you know i we know a lot of business owners where that has happened and having that type of insurance right? Covers a lot of expenses that most businesses are not prepared to make uh, or pay for. Uh, But the inevitability of mortality, like we have not figured out a way to escape mortality, you you know, and maybe someone figures it out. Who knows, right? Well, that's another conversation. Okay, But this is an inevitable event, right? So is it a pure risk? I'm going to say, no, it's not. Like it it is an inevitability. So Mm -hmm. you're not paying Right, for something that may or may not happen. You're paying for something that will happen. And ultimately, you're financing your legacy, right? You're upfront, you know, if you're younger, you're paying for something uh, with, you know, seed, Mm -hmm. right? And ultimately having a big harvest that is guaranteed at the end of the line, whether that's two years down the road or 75 years down the road. That's exactly right, because it's going to happen. And then you have the cash value side of things. Right, which is the equity, right of that inevitable death benefit that pays out, and you have access to that
1: equity throughout your life. Exactly. There are you mentioned equity financing. There are many similarities between how the asset class of life insurance functions and how a mortgage functions. Um, so as I mentioned, declines as morbid as it might sound. Imagine that we're financing the value of your life over a period of time, but as time goes on we're growing equity we've got this liquidity and if you look at like a typical vanilla whole life insurance policy that's really how it it functions is they've got this really slow growth of equity and eventually there's enough equity that cash value yeah yeah. the cash value kind of equals the death benefit but we use that as the underlying chassis of Mm the policies and then we uh, uh, chunk in those extra overpayments, which accelerates the growth of and the liquidity of the cash value. It also increases the death benefit as well yep
0: so again the, what we're how we're approaching this topic right and the question that we get there's not this like clear this is the answer right it, it really comes down to the situation that you're in, so if you find yourself asking this question like how long do I have to pay into this? obviously, this is where we have a conversation. we evaluate kind of. Where things are out, what the genesis of the question is, is this a cash flow challenge Mm -hmm. where you need, uh, you know, temporary, you know, relief and we can uh, essentially have policy loans or reduce PUA. There's different ways in which we can uh, appease this situation. Uh, But there's also those that really look at, you know, this financial vehicle as something that's like temporary and is essentially playing one role in their financial life. So having a conversation as far as how this financial product plays a role throughout your life, that is, uh, that is very, uh, very important. So based on whatever your situation is, this is where it, is, uh, it behooves you to reach out to your wealth strategist or communicate with our uh, client servicing team. Uh, and uh, and talk through what's going on so we can uh, assist you to make the best decision possible exactly i
1: i always initially illustrate for my clients the policy being paid for maybe a, a 10 to 15 year period of time because we we might be able to wrap our minds around a decade i mean think about where you were 10 15 years ago like life evolves, so that's usually what i illustrate but you can pay for longer. You can pay for shorter. You can increase and you can decrease contributions. And so, related to the question of how long do you have to pay premiums, um, is another question I get quite frequently, which is, how long can I pay premiums? So it's it, much a much different variation of the because of most people once they understand the value that this asset class brings, you, you know if you. If you get into the, to the, to the mental headspace that I have, you're gonna to get to the point where it's like, how much can I stuff into it? And for how long am I able to? And the answer to that question, um, there are a couple of different answers to that question. We're under the insurance company's limitations. We're also under IRS uh, 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 and, and regulatory uh, limitations. So that's where like you said get with your wealth strategist to understand the answer to that question question which is how much as well as how long am I able to contribute because um, there could be whether it's the insurance company or the uh, um, IRS there could be some restrictions as to uh, how much and how long you're able to continue to pay those prices. and it's
0: typically per pol- and typically per policy. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay, cool. All right. Let's, um, yeah, so thank, obviously thanks for uh, listening to this kind of short episode based on this, you know, uh, question that we get quite often. So uh, again, it requires obviously a conversation to understand uh, your context, the situation you're facing, uh, and ultimately helping you make uh, the best, uh, best decision. So thanks. uh, Thanks for watching.